Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast coming to you on a Friday looking to give you some winners for the upcoming NFL Sunday. It really looked like we had two winners last night on the Thursday night football game. We gave out the Chargers plus three and under 52. That game sitting at 14 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Then the Chargers take a 21 to 13 lead even later in the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, man, this is a lock. I had the right side on both of these, and then before you know it, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes just connect on two huge plays. Tyreek Hill gets involved, that whole Chiefs offense all of a sudden firing on all cylinders, and then bam, overtime and Chiefs and over, you'd never know with football. If I had this bet to make again, I'd I'd stay on the same side. I think I had the right side, but as it was, we ended up as a loser in this one. I don't have too much more to say about that game. As I said, that was essentially the AFC West championship game the Chiefs taking it and looking like they're on the fast track to another number one seed in the AFC especially because the first game we're going to talk about with our guest Josh Walker the Pats and Colts I think the Colts are going to win which would make the Chiefs the current number one seed in the AFC so with that we're going to take a quick break and invite our guest Josh on to break down the Sunday games Welcome back. We are joined by our Friday co-host, Josh Walker. Josh, how's it going, man? Everything's good, Jeff. How's everything, man? Uh, can't complain. I am still steamed about that parlay that we missed last week, though, man. Hitting five out of six is just brutal. That backdoor cover by the Ravens, I'm going to be thinking about that all year. Unless, of course, we can hit our parlay this week. What do you say? Hopefully. Let's do it, man. Been, uh, that that, that Ravens-Browns game, man, that stung with me for a couple of days. Well, let's see if we can wash that bad taste out of our mouth and pick some winners. Let's start with tomorrow's game. There's only one game tomorrow. Now, the Raiders and Browns getting back due to COVID issues for the Browns. Baker still coming out and being very against the NFL. It's displeasure. Saying that the NFL does not actually care about player safety as long as the games are played, they only care about the money. And honestly, I have to agree with them. It, it really seems like if they cared about player safety, these games would have been postponed long before just calling it last minute today. So I, I think Baker's got a point on that on that front. No, I agree with Baker. I'm a Baker supporter. I definitely agree with him. If it was uh, – I mean, it's, it's, it's a pandemic going on. So we got we to gotta adapt, adjust. We got to be able to be flexible uh, during these times. So if, if the whole team has the virus, then, yeah, you should postpone the game. Definitely. So that game now being played on Monday. So the only game we have to talk about for Saturday is going to be the Patriots taking on the Colts. The Colts, a two and a half point favorite at home for this game. They're sitting at 54, excuse me, 45 and a half. 56% of the public action is on Indy, and that's not really swinging me one way or the other. However, 92% of the public bets are on the over, and that is raising the red flag for me. We'll get to that in a little bit. Both teams coming off of a bye, and both teams love to run the football. The matchup I'm really looking out for in this game is these Colts corners going up against these Patriots wide receivers. Mac Jones, of course, loves to spread the ball around and pick out matchups on the defensive end. However, the Colts solid corners. Kenny Moore, great in the slot. Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin on the outside. They also have a solid front seven with Quiddy Pay, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and the very underrated Bobby Akikari. Uh, a fantastic front seven there. Harris is also banged up for the Pats. Can Ramondre Stevenson 
Stafford as a lead back against this very stout Colts defense. I say no. I like the Colts minus two and a half and under 45 and a half in this one. I hope. Just like last week uh, with the Rams and the Cardinals, and I was wrong on that one. But I'm kind of glad I was because that helped Tampa Bay move up. I hope the Patriots win. But I think the Colts will win. So I'm going to take the Colts minus two and a half. I like the under 45 and a half. I think it'll be a defensive game, especially with the Patriots. They have a rookie quarterback, so they like to run the ball, play defense anyway. I think the Colts have just enough offense to keep it under 45 and a half. Uh, but I think the Colts will win their home. Jonathan Taylor get it going. You got Carson Wentz. He's playing literally some of the best football he's played since that Super Bowl year where he, you know, where he tore his ACL. So uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I think the Colts are, I think the Colts are going to win this game. Now, the lone matchup that makes me think about going the other way is, of course, Carson Wentz going up against Bill Belichick. Uh, Carson Wentz, definitely the type of QB that you can rattle, and Bill Belichick knows how to draw up a scheme to rattle a quarterback. However, I think Bill Belichick, like we all know, that he likes to key in on the other team's best player and try to take him out of the game. So I think he's going to key in on Jonathan Taylor and make Carson Wentz beat him. And Carson Wentz has shown the capability to do that as of late. He's got two solid receivers there in T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman. So I do like the Colts in this one. I am really perplexed, however, that so much money is on the over. Both of these teams are in the top ten in points per Let's, however, like the under. So we're going to definitely put a pin in that and look out for it in our parlay. That is going to take us to the Sunday game. Start with the Panthers taking on the Bills. The Bills, an 11.5-point favorite at home for this one. The over-under sitting at 44.5. And And as I've said on the last two or three podcasts, betting against Cam Newton has been free money. Both these teams in the top eight in points per game allowed. This Panthers defense has been sneaky good all year. The Bills defense, however, the third most interceptions in the league. The Panthers are the fifth worst on third down. The Bills are the third best. Those three things, the Bills intercepting the ball, going up against Cam Newton, converting on third down, the Panthers not converting on third down. I think that means the Bills dominate the ball and dominate the game. The Panthers don't have the passing attack to exploit the loss of Tredavious White. I think Ed Oliver, a very underrated defensive tackle, is going to feast on this weak Panthers interior offensive line. I like the Bills minus 11 and a half in this one and under 44 and a half. I'm thinking a 31 to 10 type game. We agree. Uh, I like the Bills over 11 and a half, and I like the under. The Bills put a little scare in my heart last week. Uh, so they, they've they shown that they're ready to play. They understand that their playoff lives are literally on the line. They have to win. They, have, they basically probably have to win out just to make it. So I like Buffalo minus 11 and a half, and I like the under. Carolina with Phillip. Uh, P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker, I'm sorry, P.J. Walker and uh, Cam. Cam Newton, they won't have enough offense to get it going against the Bills. I think you are. Team, it is a shame because they do have the defense. They, of course, made that trade for Stephon Gilmore, and it really looked like they were going to have a, a to contend. In the beginning of the year, Sam Darnold actually looked like a halfway decent quarterback. That seems like it was ancient history, even though it was just a couple of weeks ago. That moves us on to the Titans taking on the Steelers. The Steelers are one-point underdog at home for this one. The over-under sitting at 43. And the Steelers are getting some guys back from injury in this one. T.J. Watt should be back. Alex Highsmith, Joe Hayden should be back for the first time in a couple of weeks. 
both teams, I think, have advantages on the defensive side of the ball as far as the trenches go. The Steelers' offensive line is just awful. They're starting a fourth-round rookie at left tackle. I think Jeffrey Simmons is going to eat him alive on the other side. The Titans have a decent offensive line. Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones are all at least decent, but T.J. Watt is a monster on the other side. As far as offensively goes, the Titans really don't have any skill players that scare you. Julio Jones really looks like he's washed up. And for the Titans' defense, I don't think they have anybody that can cover Deontay Johnson. He gets open quick, so I don't think this Titans pass rush is going to have a chance to touch Ben Roethlisberger before he's getting that ball out to Deontay. I also like Najee Harris up the middle here. He has not had a lot of room to one because the Steelers' offensive line is not very good, but the Titans do not have very good defensive tackles, so I think he will have some this one. I like the Steelers plus one and over 43 in this one. This is a must-win for the Titans. If we have to take the Titans serious, they have to win this game. Uh, I think Julio will be back. I think uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown should be back, right? Uh, I have not seen anything on that front. Um, I don't believe he's going to be back. Thing that say he's definitely out. Okay. Well, we agree on the over. I'll give you that. But I think I, I, I like the I like the Titans. Uh, well, this one has the Steelers minus one, so I like the I like the Titans plus one. I think the Titans, if we if the Titans are as serious as people say say that they are, they have to win this game because the Steelers are basically an average team. Yeah, I think the Titans are without Derrick Henry. I think the Titans are right there with them. They are a pretty average team too. Ryan Tannehill just does not look the same. He was looking like an All Pro quarterback for those two years that he was spending with Derrick Henry behind him. Now that he's not going up against loaded boxes, one-on-one coverage on really looks pedestrian, really looking more like the Miami version of Ryan Tannehill. So it remains this game is very big for both of these teams. If the Steelers lose, they are essentially out. That AFC North is still up for grabs. The Titans, I think, could still survive with the loss, but, man, the Colts are hot on their heels. So it's a really pivotal game for both teams. And that is going to move us on to my beloved Dallas taking on the New York Giants. The Giants a 10-and-a-half-point underdog at home for this one. The over-under sitting at 44-and-a-half. 82% of the public action is on the Dallas Cowboys. And for the Cowboys, they have finally gotten their defense fully healthy for the first time all season. And it really showed against Washington. Neville Gallimore, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and Carson's just eating Taylor Heineke alive. Up against Andrew Thomas, Nate Solder, a backup left guard. The starter wasn't that good to begin with. Uh, I think the backup's name is Wes Martin. I'd never heard of him before. I think this Cowboys defensive line is going to eat this Giants offensive line alive. You have Mike Glennon back there, who is a statue. The Giants are out of the playoff picture. They're just going through the motions. They have two solid cornerbacks, so the strength of their three good wide receivers. I think Dak Prescott will pick on whoever Robinson is covering, the rookie cornerback who might be decent down the road, but he's not playing very well right now. Dallas has been ineffective on the ground. That does scare me off a little bit. They even used C.D. Lamb in the backfield at the end of last game, but I think this passing attack is going to do enough to get them a big lead. I like the Cowboys, minus 10.5 and and under 45. I agree. I like the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to destroy the Giants. Get right game for Dak Prescott. Uh, The Giants' season is over. Daniel Jones sucked. Mike Glenn is worse. <laughs> I like the Cowboys minus ten and a half and over forty four and a half. 
Over okay, yeah. I just I don't see the Giants really doing anything against this Cowboys defense. It's it's weird as a Cowboys fan seeing their defense become the strength of the team. Uh, we talked on the first time you came on the podcast about Michael Parsons definitely being the defensive rookie of the year. He's making a strong case. That yeah, he, he might be, be the de- defensive player of the year. The, exactly, he's making a very strong case. It's definitely I think between him and Miles Garrett at this point, uh, he is. Oh my goodness, I. During the draft, I was so upset that we did not get one of the top corners. I really wanted to get Pat Sertain. And seeing the Broncos grab him just before we picked, I was sour the whole draft. I am so glad I was Parsons looking like the absolute steal of the draft. He's a stud. He's really good. That moves us on to the Cardinals taking on the Lions. The Lions are a 13-point underdog at home. The over-under sitting at 47-and-a-half. And big red flags on this one, 97% of the public bets are on the Arizona Cardinals. And that is because this Lions team is just bad. They are the worst team as far as (laughs) third down percentage goes. Sacks, third worst in points per game. They have no DeAndre Swift, no TJ Hawkinson. The Cardinals really need this game after losing to the Rams. Kyler should have an absolute field day. Even without Nuke lining up, he's going to be shut down at least until the playoffs. I like the Cardinals minus 13 here and under 47 and a half. This is a 31 to 3 type game. Uh, well, I see that you can get it for 12 and a half, and I'm taking the points. Detroit, this, come on, man. God bless them. This is, this, they, they, they ready for Christmas and the New Year's. They're ready for the season to be over. So, yeah, they let's, got- let Arizona, let's let Arizona put them out there in misery. Arizona need to get right game. Make, they can't afford to lose. They they put themselves back to the pack in the NFC. So, they know everything. Every game here on out, they want the number one season. Must win. I don't think they're going to have a chance, especially we're going to get – Later on, uh, the Buccaneers have a really easy schedule. Uh, if the Packers and Bucks both went out, the Packers would see the Cardinals needing the Packers and Bucks both to lose a game. And in fact, they have a game against the Cowboys as well. So if the Cowboys win that game, the Cardinals are essentially eliminated from that number one seed. As far as this game goes, I think I think we're both pretty much right on this. One. Scaring me off that ninety-seven percent of the on the Arizona Cardinals, but I just. Can't. Any way the Lions get anything going, their two best offensive weapons are out. And Kyler Murray being back for the Cardinals definitely helps them. So uh, Cardinals minus 12 and a half, definitely the way to go. We will definitely have that in our parlay. And that moves us on to the stinker of the week. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this game. It is the Texans taking on the Jaguars. The Jaguars firing Urban Meyer. They are a four and a half point favorite at home for this one. The over under 39 and a half. 86% of the public action is on the Texans. There is no reason to watch this game. There's no reason to bet on this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars have no business giving four and a half points to anyone. So that probably means that they're going to win this game and cover. I think maybe you see the Jaguars liberated with no Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence has the game of his career, and I think the Jaguars win this game by a touchdown. I guess I'll take the Jaguars minus four and a half, even though there's no way I would ever actually bet this game. No, I would never touch this game either, but I like the Jaguars. Uh, They're they're happy that they got rid of Urban Meyer. Uh, One of the most toxic uh, coaching situations that I think I've ever seen in the NFL. I don't think I've ever seen a first-year coach come in and be fired before the end of the season. I think it's the first time that's ever happened. And not just being a bad coach, just being a toxic person, having a toxic environment around your generational talent quarterback it is a good thing they got him out of there in Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he should have never got the job in the first place. Yeah, the, a lot of those college coaches, it's weird. Uh, you'll see them, they, they, they have an authoritative uh, ruling over their team, and they think that's going to work in the NFL. In the NFL, these are grown men that are making more money than you in a lot of cases. They're not just going to 
kick them like that. So I'm yeah. literally, literally kicked him. I didn't even mean for that pun there, but literally he kicked, <laughs> yeah, he literally. kicked Josh Lambeau. Yeah, so. but see, he kicked the right guy. Because see, if he would have kicked the defensive lineman, the offensive lineman, the skill player, he would you you wouldn't have seen Urban Mile on TV for weeks. <laughs> that is true. I take a little bit of offense to that though. I I was a punter back in my day. I'm so sorry. I think I like I'm to sorry. Think I might have, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like to think but, I might have done something. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect. A, a 125, 130 pound punter compared to a 350 pound lineman. You tell me, he's gonna do more damage. Oh, uh, you're right about that for sure. So that t- a little bit of a better matchup. Still not a great game here. However, the Dolphins sneakily in the playoff picture. It is the Jets taking on the Miami. Nine and a half point favorite at home. The under 41 and a half. 61% of the public action on the Miami Dolphins. These teams met just a couple of weeks ago. It was a 24 to 17 final in New York, and that was with Joe Flacco at quarterback. The Dolphins don't have Jalen Waddle for this one, so they do not have an explosive weapon to exploit this weak jet secondary. Waddle had eight catches in that first game. Devontae Parker should be back and look solid in his last outing and will operate as the number one receiver for the Dolphins. I think this is a low-scoring game, and I think the Dolphins win. However, I don't think they cover the 9.5. I like the Jets plus 9.5 here, under 41.5. I think this is a 20-13 to 13 type game. Uh, I like Miami over. Uh, I think Miami is a dangerous team. I think Miami is getting it together. They finally believe in Tua. They basically had no choice because the trade deadline was over. But regardless of whatever, they still believe in Tua now. I, I like Miami minus nine and a half, and I actually like the over. I think Miami is really getting it together. I think Zach Wilson will turn the ball over. They'll get the ball in short fields, and Tua do his thing. Even without Jalen Wilder, still had Devontae Parker. They still uh, – have Albert Wilson. They still have Mike Gusecki, who's a uh, – he might not be a top five tight end, but he, he's, 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 he's definitely a very good tight end. So I like Miami minus nine and a half, and I like the over 41. Okay, this Jets defensive line is actually halfway deep of their team. They're probably just average at best. They really got pushed around against the Saints last week. I don't think the Dolphins have the offensive line that the Saints do. I don't think they're able to do that. So um, I could definitely see this game going the other way, but my – Miles Gaskins just doesn't really move the needle for me the way that Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill did last week. Over 200 yards on this Jets defense. But we're not going to agree on all of them. We'll have to leave that one out of the parlay. That takes us to the Falcons taking on the 49ers. The eight-and-a-half point favorite at home for this one. The over-under 45-and-a-half. And this 49ers offense has been firing on all cylinders the last five games. They've won four of them, scoring 30 points per game. However, they've been... Six points per game in their last three games. This defense is vulnerable, particularly versus the pass. Matt Ryan loves to air it out. The over is my favorite play in this game. I love over 45 and a half. This 49ers offensive line, I think, is going to win the battle against this weak Falcons front. Grady Jarrett, the only guy that really moves the needle on that defensive line. He's going to be new by the best left tackle in the league, Trent Williams. I think Matt Ryan, however, is going to do enough to get a backdoor cover in this one. So give me the Falcons plus eight and a half. But as I said, my favorite play in this one is the over 45 and a half. Well, we should definitely put this in the parlay because I agree with everything you just said. it will be basically how with the Ravens and the Browns was last week, a backdoor cover. I like San Francisco to win the game, but I like Matt Ryan and the Falcons to keep it close. Atlanta's a streaky team. You bet on them, they, 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 they lose. You bet against them, they win. So... Uh, I'm going to bet on the 49ers to win the game, but I'm going to take the points with the Falcons. I like the Falcons' offense. I like that uh, Kyle Pitts, 
Cordell Patterson, man, he is. Ooh, he's just a football player. Like Jesus. Mm. Just get solid. the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's just a solid football player. So, uh, like I said, the Falcons will keep it close. Not like a, uh, but forty nine is a win. And I like the over. Okay, well, o- over is my favorite play in this one, so we'll earmark that one. That moves us on to the Bengals taking on the Broncos, and this line moved big today. It was Broncos minus one. I'm now seeing Broncos minus three. I'm not sure if there was some kind of news of a Bengals injury. I looked and I didn't see anything. I saw that Shadobia Wouzier is going to be a line two point. Yes, some action on the Broncos in this one. So it's now Broncos minus three, the over-under sitting at 44. 60% of the public action is on the Broncos. As I said, this line moving towards the Broncos. I liked it at Broncos. It was Broncos plus one at one point. I liked it then. I even liked it when it was Broncos minus one and a half. However, at minus three, I gone. With the line at minus three, I think I like the Bengals. Have run the ball well and played well on defense. I really am interested to watch this matchup. I'm not sure who's going to win it, but the matchup of Patrick Sertain Jr. versus Jamar Chase will be great to watch. I think this is an even matchup, so give me the Bengals plus three, and I like over 44 in this one. Well, we agree on the over 44, definitely. I like the Broncos minus three. The Bengals, uh, I said this last week, too young, too jack and went high. I think they'll lose uh, three of their last four remaining, <clears throat> three of their last four remaining games. <clears throat> so, um, give me the Broncos minus three. Yeah, I really did like the Broncos at minus one. I just think the value was gone once the line moved so much. This is something maybe we can revisit, maybe do them in a money line situation. I just do not like laying three with the Broncos. Like I, The Bengals showed you last week how they could be down the whole game and then just spring back on you like that with that high-powered offense, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow slinging the ball back there. Yeah, but, the, but to be fair, they'll be playing a better defense this week. The 49ers don't got the Broncos corners. Now, they, they might have a better D-line and linebackers, but they don't got the Broncos secondary. You got Simmons back there, Sertan. Uh, I forgot the other corner's name on the other side. I apologize for him. I apologize for that for him. But they have a great secondary. So uh, Bryce is out. Callahan, their slot, yes. Their slot Bryce corner, Tan. yeah, he's been out. He is the, one of the best slot in the league, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I think it, for the Bengals, I agree that their their receivers won't be able to have as big of a day as they did against the 49ers. However, those Broncos linebackers are not very good. I think it is a big joke. Bengals, that is why I was leaning towards the over. I think teams are able to get it done on the offensive side of the ball. But we'll revisit talk about the parlay uh maybe we can throw broncos money line in there as i said that takes us to the packers taking on the ravens the ravens a six and a half point underdog at whom the over under sitting at 43 and a half lamar jackson listed as questionable with a sprained ankle in this one and for me this this game is all about the availability of lamar jackson and if i'm the ravens i'm sitting here with two divisional games to close out the season eight the Bengals next week that could go a long way to deciding the afc north this is a non-conference game, so as far as time go with the playoffs, this game does not mean as much as the other games down the stretch. You're playing a very good Packers team. Lamar Jackson, obviously a mobile quarterback. If I'm the Ravens, I'm sitting Lamar Jackson out for this one. I'm letting him get healthy and coming back this week and trying to beat the Bengals. And if he does do that, I do not like the prospect of Tyler Huntley going up against this Packers defense, and I definitely don't like the prospect of Devontae Adams going up against this banged-up Ravens secondary. Either way, give me the Packers minus six and a half, and I also like under 43 and a half in this one. I agree. Uh, no, Lamar Jackson's not playing. 
Um, I'll, I'll break the story. I'm not Adam Schefter or Jay Glazer or uh, uh, Jason Lockham for or any uh, or Ian Rappaport. I don't know if you get the four main networks <laughs> or uh, Mike Florio of NBC. I'm not him either. But Lamar Jackson's not playing, so I like the Packers minus six, six and a half, and I like the under forty three. I think it'll probably be uh, twenty eight. The three, six, something like that. Like the Ravens won't be able to do nothing against Aaron Rodgers. I think you were right on that one. So that is definitely one that we will revisit for the parlay. And that takes us to your team, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Bucks, an 11 point favorite at home, the over under 45 and a half. 83% of the public action is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, is 21 and 5 against every team except the New Orleans Saints in the regular season, and 0-3 against the Saints in the regular season. Uh, is that scaring you at all? For the money, for the points, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't, 11 and a half, I wouldn't touch these points. Tampa Bay going to win the game because the Saints suck. But uh, and I don't want to say it like that. Obviously, they got injuries, COVID, uh, no, no Drew Brees this year. So, I mean, that was bound to happen. But. Uh, I wouldn't touch the 11 and a half. But for some weird reason, the Saints should play Tampa Bay well. And it's a division game. Division games can go either way, especially with point spread. So I'm actually taking the Saints plus 11. And I am taking the over 45 and a half. So I thought I was going to have trouble talking you in. The Saints offense had success on the ground with Taysom Hill and the return of Alvin Kamara last week, and I doubt that they'll be able to replicate the 200 yards they had against the Jets. But can they, do, can, can they and the defense do just enough to keep this game close? I think yes. We just saw Josh Allen have success on the ground versus the Bucks defense, and Taysom Hill is a similar type of runner, at least. Definitely does not have the cannon that Josh Allen has, but definitely is a similar type of quarterback power runner and has a better running back in the backfield next to him in Alvin Kamara. So I also like the Saints plus 11 in this one. However, I like under 45 and a half. I think the the ball stays on the ground in this one. I think the Buccaneers win this game uh, maybe a 24, Tam- 24 to 17. Tam- uh, Tam- they I, mean, Tam- they, they, I mean, I don't say they don't run the ball because they run the ball, but you know what I mean. Like, they want Brady to win the MVP. I think you said this to me last week, so – they're going to throw the ball. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to run it. And I'm not saying they won't run it, but they're going to throw the ball. So, uh, and like I said, for some weird reason, the Saints, they, they get up for Tampa Bay. And they'll get up for this game because they understand what's up. Like, they understand their season essentially is on the line. So, uh, we agree. In fact, we agree so much that that should be in the five. And you and I and I you know and I know you don't even like betting against your team, but I'm so confident. I think Tampa Bay will win, but I don't think they're gonna win by minus eleven. Okay, of course I did point out Tom Brady zero and three against the Saints. That is leaving out his playoff win. I'm sure he'll take that every time getting the playoff oh, yeah. win and seeding those regular season losses. That football, which is usually the last game we touch on. However, we have. Another Monday game and two Tuesday games to get to as well. This was the originally scheduled Monday night football game. It is the Vikings taking on the Bears. The Bears, a five and a half point underdog at home. The over under sitting at 44 and a half. 70% of the public action is on the Vikings. This is the first of two meetings between these teams in the last four weeks. This Bears offense looked better than it has most 
season against the Packers last week, but they just got outdone by Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings got Dalvin Cook back last week and got a big game from him, even though their defense almost gave the game away at the end. This Vikings defense needs to blitz to get pressure with all those injuries on the defensive line. And Justin Fields, even though he has struggled a little bit as a rookie, he has done really well against when you've seen him struggle, it's been against teams that can get pressure with four, like we saw him struggle against Tampa Bay. So I actually like the Bears plus five and a half and over 44 and a half in this one. We agree on the over. I'm going to take the Vikings. Minus, okay. five, minus five and a half. I'm doing, I'm doing it reluctantly because when the Vikings play well, they, they they play a certain style. They blitz. They have a Kirk Cousins is accurate. They run the ball. They play well. They have a certain style. And then for all of a certain, then, uh, then all of a sudden, in certain games they just stop playing that. They just start doing something else. I'm like, wow. Like, keep blitzing, keep running the ball, keep Kirk Cousins keep being accurate. But I just think Mike Zimmer, he knows his job is on the line, and uh, the 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 Bears. It's, I mean, Mike Mag uh, Maggie. He's on his last leg. So, I like the Vikings minus five and a half, and I, I agree the under. I don't – Chicago won't be able to score. I actually like you. I, I gave out the over in this one. I think uh, I think Fields showed a little bit against the Packers for some points in this one. But, again, we're not going to agree on all of them. We can leave that one out. We have two Monday games now. So, the Raiders and Browns was supposed to be tomorrow at 4 o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to do with my day now. That was actually I was actually looking forward yeah, to watching that gonna, game. Yeah, I was going to watch that game. I was just crazy. I really it's, was. I was going to watch that. So now it's going to be on Monday. Uh, Raiders taking on the Browns. Still no idea who is playing quarterback for the Browns. And this line has jumped all over the place with uh, the different news breaking that Baker Mayfield was going to be out. Then all of a sudden that Case Keenum was going to be out. Monday, you have no idea which one of these players is going to be back. Is Baker going to be able to play? Is Keenum going to be able to play? We have no clue. I have to imagine that one of them will be able to play. This line has actually moved now to Browns plus one uh, with the game being moved to Monday. This depends on who the Browns have back, really. They're missing both starting safeties, three cornerbacks. Uh, they're missing three starting offensive linemen and Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader, and, of course, um, Jack Conklin out with an injury. If they can get some of these guys back, I think the Browns are a much better team than the Raiders. As I said, it just all depends on who is back for the Browns. I'm going to assume they get at least half of these guys back, and I'm going to take the Browns minus one in this one and over 38. I am going to take the Browns minus one, but the under 38. I think this will be a defensive game, especially for uh, the Browns defense. They'll have to win the game on defense because they'll be down probably without Baker. Uh, so they'll have to play defense, basically how they did that Thursday night when Baker didn't play when he was hurt. So I like the Browns minus one and a half, and I like the under for the point spread. So you weren't coming on the pod. I gave out the final score. I gave out the on the Tuesday pod. I gave out the final score to that game exactly. Predicted it on the podcast. It was my best call of the year. Mm. Uh, and the, uh, this one, I, I see it going a little bit differently because the Raiders still can throw the ball. And as I said, I think the Browns are going to get some of these guys back, and the Raiders also give up yards in bunches on the ground. I think this is a huge game from Nick and break a couple of long touchdowns in this one. And that moves us on to the Tuesday games, two Tuesday games to get to, starting with Washington taking on Philadelphia. 
Now, Philadelphia was an 11-and-a-half-point favorite when the game was scheduled to be played on Sunday because of the fact that Washington was going to be down so many players. That line has now moved to Eagles minus 8-and-a-half with the news that the game was going to be postponed. The over-under sitting at 42-and-a-half. And as I said, COVID issues out the wazoo for Washington. Uh, they were going to struggle to, to field a competitive team. It was looking like Garrett Gilbert was going to mm. start at quarterback. Uh, the Eagles are still unsure if Hurts is going to be able to play, but I like this offense better with Minshew, believe it or not. Uh, with the news that it's going to be postponed, I don't think that is going to change too much for Washington. I still like the Eagles. I like them at minus 11 on Sunday. I still like them at minus 8.5 on Tuesday. I agree. Uh, I, I, the Eagles are really in playoff contention. I don't think they'll make it. I don't think Washington's in playoff contention. We saw last week. That game last week, they, they they essentially got blown up. I mean, I know they, you know, made it close at the end, but the game was a blowout. So, uh, I like the Eagles minus eight there at home, minus eight and a half there at home. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I know they had, didn't they have a bye week? I think the Eagles had a bye week last week. And I think before Correct. they had the bye week, they played the, was that the Jets? The Jets, the Garden Minshew game. Yeah, yeah. Garden Minshew game. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I agree with you. I do I, I do think they're a little better with Gardner Minshew. But I still like the element that Jalen Hurts brings to the offense. So. For sure. And if, if Jalen Hurts is hobbled at all, the same deal with Lamar Jackson. You have to sit him out, especially when you have such a capable backup in Minshew. Uh, it's funny that you say you're not sure either of these teams will make the playoffs. The winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat to get a playoff spot in the NFC. It is jumbled for that final position, especially with the Saints going up against the Bucks, They're likely going to drop back a game. So it should be interesting to see how that playoff race goes a stretch. And that finally moves us to the second Tuesday game. Both of these games are going to kick off on Tuesday at 7 p.m. It is the Seahawks taking on the Rams. The Rams a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The over-under sitting at 45-and-a-half. 80% of the public bets are on Seattle, but I think that has a lot to do with the Rams dealing with all those COVID issues. Now that this game has moved to Tuesday, I think you will see that action even out a li- just a little bit. The Rams won the first matchup 26-17. to Russell Wilson getting hurt in that game. The Rams had a big game from Robert Woods in that one. He, of course, not going to be available for the rest of the season. However, Cooper Cup is more than capable of taking advantage of this porous Seahawks defense. Seattle is right in the middle of the playoff picture if they can get a win in this game. They have games against Detroit and Chicago after this. So if they can win these next three, they are right in the middle of it. They'll be sitting at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Who knows who's going to be available for the Rams? As I said, they're dealing with a ton of COVID issues. For that reason, give me Seattle plus five and a half. They need the game more, and I like the under 45 and a half. We agree on that totally. I like Seattle. I think Seattle's going to win this game outright. I I picked it. I was going to pick it on Sunday as my flat-out upset of the week, but they moved the game to Tuesday. So I like Seattle plus five and a half, and I like the – you said the under? Uh, Yes, I like the under. Yeah. I agree with you. I like the under as well because uh, the Rams won't have as many offensive weapons because of the virus. And the sneaky big news that most people didn't talk about, Tyler Lockett is out for Seattle, and that's big. Tyler Lockett and Alice Collins. So, Okay, Rashad Penny, I think, definitely showing that he was better than Alice Collins from the beginning. I understand why go to him in the first place, finally getting his chance in that battle. As far as our parlay goes, that got flexed Monday and Tuesday. I don't really feel comfortable giving them in just not knowing who was going to play. I'm definitely more comfortable keeping our parlor 
the games we just have uh, scheduled for Saturday and Sunday. So with that, we are going to take a quick break, and Josh and I are going to throw together our parlay and hopefully come back with a winner for you. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Josh and I have put together our five-team parlay for this week. Our $10 bet is going to pay $220, and we're going to start with the Bills minus 12. We think the Bills take care of business against the Panthers, get back on track. They really need this win for a playoff spot in the AFC. Let's go, Bills Mafia. I'm riding with you. We're also taking the Cardinals minus 13. The Detroit Lions uh, were never very good to begin with, and now their two best offensive players are out. Dan Campbell does have that team playing hard, but the Cardinals are talented, and I think they blow them out in this one. Yeah, we agree. I mean, Arizona's, you know, fighting. Uh, even though you don't think they're going to get it, they're still fighting for the number one seed. So, you know, it's time to put your foot on the neck, and the Lions, they, you know, they suck. We're also giving out the Packers minus seven. Uh, no Lamar Jackson in this one. That's going to be an ugly game for the Ravens. Yeah, no Lamar. Uh, Green Bay is feeling themselves hot. I like the Packers. I can definitely see the Packers winning by more than seven. Okay, and uh, my, one of my favorite plays of the week, we're giving out the over in the Falcons 49ers game. It's over 46 and a half. This 49ers defense, I think, just based on reputation, gets a little bit overrated. Their secondary is pretty weak, and they've been giving up some points as of late. Yeah, 49ers secondary is suspect. We just need to call it how it is. They're suspect. So you get Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts is, you know, starting to get his uh, – field for the game in the NFL uh, as the season progressed. So I like the Falcons. The Falcons and the 49s will definitely score some points in that game. Okay, and we're going to wrap up the parlay, believe it or not, going against Josh's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to take the Saints. You admitted to me during the break that this Saints team just knows how to play the Buccaneers. They always play them tough. Yeah, they always play them tough. Uh, 11 and a half is too many points for a division rival. I'm sorry, Tom. You know I love you, Tom. You won me a lot of money, but I just think the Saints uh, – Tampa Bay is going to win the game, but I think the Saints will keep it closer than 11 and a half. Gotcha. So, talk, speaking of Tampa Bay, I wanted to touch on this with you before we, uh, we left the podcast. Because it involves both of our teams, we have those top four in the NFC, in the Cardinals, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Cowboys. Uh, the Cardinals, Packers, and Bucks all sitting at 10 and 3. The Cowboys at 9 and 4. So the number one seed uh, is up for grabs for all of them. When I was looking at the Cowboys, like the, their schedule remaining, I was thinking, oh, they have a chance because they play, they play the Cardinals. They have the conference tiebreaker. So if it ends in a three-way tie with the Cowboys involved, even though the Bucks have that head-to-head win, the Cowboys would win the tiebreaker based on conference record. And I was looking at that thinking we had a shot. And then I what? looked at and then, yes. And then I looked at y'all's schedule to close out the season. And I was like, oh, man, they're not any of those games. If, especially, like, maybe you could say, okay, the Saints have your number. They, they, they somehow squeak one out on Sunday night. There's no way you're losing another game outside of that. So if you went on Sunday night, I think it's pretty much over. However, the Packers on the other side of the team you have to worry about because if they went out, they have the number one seed. Yeah. They play Baltimore this week, and we've already said that they, we think they're going to take care of business there. Then but they, they play-, play Minnesota, and I think Minnesota beat them. Minnesota, Minnesota is going to have to essentially win out just to make the playoffs. That's true. They, they play Cleveland on Christmas also, and then they wrap up again. Yeah, but, but it won't be. But if Cleveland beat them, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they got the same record, so I'm assuming that Tampa Bay doesn't lose. That's why tomorrow's game against the Saints is huge because they're not going to lose to Carolina or the Jets. I mean, come on. Absolutely so not. If, if Tampa can win 
tomorrow. I mean, Sunday. I'm sorry, Sunday night. And Minnesota can beat them or Cleveland. One of those two teams uh, will beat Green Bay, and that'll help Tampa Bay get the number one seed. If Tampa Bay get the number one seed, that'll be what we need because in the first round, you're going to have your Dallas Cowboys play the St. Louis, I mean, St. Louis Rams. I'm sorry, LA Rams. So that'll be a slobber knocker head, hair hunting. KO type game, so not whoever. necessarily. Now the Cowboys could get that number three seed. They go head to head with the Cardinals. The winner of that game is likely oh, to get yeah, the number three yeah, seed. Yeah, I am. I'm. 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 I am. I'm locking. I didn't. I didn't. I don't. I don't uh, yeah, that is true. I don't. With, I, I shouldn't lock the Cowboys into the four seed. You're right. With that being said, I think I'd rather have that four seed than the three seed. I think like, the way that they've been playing lately, I do not want to see those San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs, and that is the most likely opponent for the number four seed. But uh, Especially for the, the Cardinals, definitely don't want to see that 49ers team, a division rival uh, for, for them. It's going to be interesting to see how these matchups play out, uh, especially because you're not really going to have an easy game unless you get that number two seed, and then you're looking at playing Philly, Washington, Washington Atlanta, Atlanta, whoever ends up in that, in that seventh slot. You kind of have an easier game, but if you end up in that three or four game, man, you're going to have a rough one on the road next week. Well, I, I think it'll be Tampa one, Green Bay two, Arizona three, Dallas four, the Rams five, and then San Fran. Yeah, San Fran will make it six, and then whatever, whatever, whoever makes the last spot. So Green Bay, whoever seven, Green Bay will have an easy matchup. Tampa Bay will have a bye. And again, the best two games would be Dallas, the Rams, and Arizona and San Francisco. So uh, what I really wanted to touch on here is you are confident that the Green Bay is gonna is gonna lose a game. You're not you're not worried about them winning out and stealing that number one seed. Oh yeah, no no no, I'm not I'm not I'm I'm very confident they'll lose a the game. They'll lose to Cleveland or Minnesota. It remains because to be that, that, that because that's the only way one both of those teams are gonna make playoffs. They gotta win out. It remains to be no seen. Chance. I'm still holding out that long shot hope. Obviously, it has to happen this Sunday because you guys aren't losing any other game. If you guys do lose to the Saints, the Cowboys are right there. Then they have the Cardinals ahead of them. We have a game against them. We could win that one. Then it's just a matter of, again, the Packers losing the game. So it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch. And either way, both of our teams are going to be in the playoffs, and uh, who, we're going to be happy. Who do you think is going to be the number one seed in the AFC? I, I've, I've said it was going to be the Chiefs, and I've been saying that for about three weeks. Oh, yeah, we agree on that. Okay. Yeah, we agree. Yeah, the Chiefs have gotten right. Um, Patriots, they're, they're good. I think that they have the, the firepower to stay ahead of everybody, especially if you look at their schedule. They have to play Buffalo again. I think they're going to lose this to the Colts. So I don't really see them staying up. If they are able to win these next two games, however, they close out with Jacksonville and Miami. So if they beat Indianapolis this week, it, it's don't, very possible. Don't I, I told you just a couple weeks ago, don't sleep on that Miami game. <laughs> I'm just going to – no, I'm telling you, because when I was a Patriots supporter – and I'm not, I don't make it seem like I don't like the Patriots. I love the fans. I love everything about the team. I'm just Brady left, so that's the way I feel like I had to roll. But Brady struggled going to Miami, and they always gave the Patriots Miami in December and January. That game will be played on January the 9th. Man, I, Miami can win that game. Miami can slightly make the playoffs. If you look at their schedule, they, could, they can win out. They, their hardest game is, is at the Saints. They can they if they can win that game, they can beat the Patriots again. The trouble for them is so many teams ahead of them. You have 
you have what one two three you have five teams sitting at seven and six ahead of them then you still have pittsburgh at six six and one and all of those teams are good the chargers but the but Colts, they but Buffalo. they all have but they they all have to play each other the, the Colts play the patriots the Bengals play the browns the browns play the raiders the raiders play the broncos the broncos play the chargers the chargers play they all play each other so it's a mathematical. It's a. It's no. It's a crazy way, but it's a crazy way where Miami can win out and still make the playoffs. Because I think they six and seven. They're gonna beat the Jets. So they're gonna be seven and seven. If the Colts lose, they got the same record as Miami. If the Browns lose, they got the same record as Miami. If the Bengals lose, they got the same record as Miami. So Miami's right there. Right. Yeah. Un- unfortunately for the Dolphins, they've already lost twice to Buffalo. They lose. Breaker. They lost to Indianapolis as well, so they wouldn't have that tiebreaker either. They did beat Baltimore, so it will be interesting if Baltimore falls into the wild card. Uh, they would have the tiebreaker over them, but it's going to be a fun thing to watch, man. I, it's one of my favorite things to do is to get on and play with the playoff machine on ESPN, so I'll definitely be tweeting out some of those in the coming weeks, but definitely something to keep an eye on the Dolphins making the playoffs. I actually did highlight that uh go on this win streak because they had those games against the Jets and care after basically after they beat Baltimore, you looked at their schedule and said, Oh, they played the Jets, Carolina, and then the Giants. Like they could definitely win that game. And then the Giants, uh, then the Jets again coming up. So uh, Miami definitely a team to look out for man. I don't think Tua has ever gotten a fair break. Uh, he was just immediately yeah, written off. Never, and he's never. never, never had a decent offensive line. He's finally got a solid wide receiver in Jalen Waddle, finally getting a rapport with an offensive coordinator. I really like Tua's prospects for the future. I don't think he is going to be a bust, like a lot of people have said. And never, and never had, like I said, and never had belief from the team. Like you got to have belief in the team if you're going to do something. And they never believed in Tua. Now, they, like I said, they had no choice because the season was over. So this is what you get. He's playing well. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it, Josh. Anything you want to touch on before we uh, hop off of here? Uh, one more thing. Uh, the uh, recruit, the top recruit that flipped from Florida State that went to Jackson State to go coach at to go to go play for Deion Sanders. Why are these reporters so upset? Like, I I just want to understand this. The kid plays. I I, I forgot his name. Uh, uh so I, 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 next time I come on, I'll make sure I get his name right. But the kid plays corner. He's a cornerback, and his coaches. Deion Sanders, like Travis Hunter, is, Travis is Hunter is the kid. Yeah, Travis Hunter is the kid's name. He plays cornerback, and his coach, the coach that recruited him, is undisputed, no doubt, the greatest corner to ever play. Why are we upset that he wanted to go play for Deion Sanders? I don't give a part of my language. I don't give a fuck if Deion Sanders was coaching at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. If 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 Travis, what's his last name again? Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter wanted to go play for Deion Sanders. He has that right to go play for Deion Sanders. Florida State messed up by hiring Mike Novell over Deion Sanders. They'll they'll regret that decision they, if they haven't already regretted that decision. And this goes back to something we touched on earlier in the podcast with Urban Meyer that those guys that think they had this authoritative view on college football players they're still men like even though they are young men they are still men and they have every right to make the decision they want to they should have had every right to make money off their own likeness this whole time I think a lot of this has to do with Florida State fans being upset uh, mainstream college football fans being upset that he's going to an HBCU rather than a Division One school that they get to see on TV every Saturday. Uh, to me, maybe this will make some of these D1 schools wake up and realize that they need to hire more black coaches. 
Absolutely, I agree. But Florida State, he played. Dion played at Florida State. Yes, that's so. It's, it's, it's that, 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 that's what makes it worse. <laughs> it's like he played there. Like you don't think he can recruit to get players to come to Jackson State? Like, are you are you serious? Like, come on. So, you, you I find it funny that he stuck it to his former team that way. I really do. Yeah, it, it is funny. But I mean, for the media to be upset that he went to Jackson State, like, who cares? Like, he he's going to go play for the best corner ever. He can go play for Alabama. He can go play for wherever. They're not going to teach him what Deion Sanders can teach him because Alabama doesn't have Deion Sanders. Of course, Texas he... doesn't have Deion Sanders. Texas A&M, Georgia, they don't have Deion Sanders. Uh, the same, the same media that didn't bat when Brian Kelly left his team when they had a chance to be in the playoffs, coach at LSU. So yeah, like, it's just it's like, always going to be the media narrative. They're going to spin it the way they want to. It's always players are in the wrong. The coach right that same. You take an NFL job, he can recruit a player and then take an NFL job and just leave these players high and dry that he recruited after he promised them that, oh, I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to, I'm going to develop you into an NFL player. Oh, never got the Seattle Seahawks or whoever just called. I'm going to go take that. Stuck. Luckily, they changed some of the rules so the players have a little bit more wiggle room, but it's still, it's still never going to be evened out, and the media narrative is always going to be anti-player. Yeah, it's always just BS. Like, come on now. Like, stop. So, uh I'm glad that he went to Jackson State. I'm glad that he's getting coached by the greatest cornerback ever. Man, he's he's still going to get drafted. Dang, like, he ain't going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted. Yeah, if you're going to learn. be a first-round pick, but he, he's going to get drafted. And he still might be a first-round pick. If you're going to learn how to play the position, there is no better guy to learn from that. Grew up in the 90s, Cowboys fan, watching him just take away an entire side of the field. Larry Brown has a Super Bowl MVP trophy because, on his shelf. Because of Deion Sanders. Donald was afraid to throw anywhere near Deion Sanders and threw two balls right in his chest. So Deion, man, will always have De- a special place in my heart. Deion Sanders is so great. The man changed the balance of power in football. In 94, the man went to the 49ers. They won the Super Bowl. The 49ers didn't resign. They went to the Cowboys. The year after, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Yep. I've never seen only, – only person I've seen that changed – balance of power like that and it still took took Peyton a little while but Peyton and then Tom Brady that was it Yep. and it still took Peyton a little while to get that so Deion Sanders is one of a kind man if you can go play for Deion Sanders go play for him learn the position be the best you can be absolutely we also saw Charles Haley do the same thing he in fact won two Super Bowls with uh, the Niners, yeah, so I believe the Niners, and then went three straight and then went three with the Cowboys so I, we, we've seen other guys do it but he was not Charles Haley, all, all due respect, he's a Hall of Fame talent, but he was not Deion Sanders. He was not the greatest ever to play his yeah, position. Exactly. Like, like you, you might have a debate on, man, who's the best pass rusher ever? Man, who's the best quarterback ever? Mm, Some people like, that, like, there's like, no debate on pass rusher. It's, it's Lawrence Taylor. Well, I mean, no, I agree, but some people might like uh, uh, older, uh, like my, my grandfather, like Jack Hand. Like, you, you, might, you might like who you like. That's fine. But that Who's the best corner? There's never a debate. Like you could debate on best quarterback, best running back, best wide receiver. You might like Randy Moss. I might think it's T.O. You might think it's Jerry Wright. Like, oh, it's definitely Jerry Rice. Come on, man. There, no, 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 some no, of no. these are. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying he's the go- yeah, he's the Jerry Rice is the go- greatest wide receiver ever. But like, I think T.O. is the second best receiver ever. Some might think it's Randy. I'm just saying, like, Dion is flat out the goat at his position. Like flat oh, out. Man. Like it's not even nobody. It's not even a close second. I agree. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm glad we touched on that. That is uh, uh, definitely an issue that the NCAA is going to have to deal with. And you know what? They brought it on themselves. So, you know, they, they, can, they made their bed. They can lie in it. I, I'm, I'm glad it happened. And I hope it happens more. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, Josh, that is going to do it for the podcast. Uh, you're going to be joining us next Friday, right? Yes, sir. I'll be there. Sounds good. Let's hope our parlay hits this week, and I'll see you next week, man. That's up, man. You have a good weekend, man. Yes, sir.